although I would get prescribed a workout when I got to the track, like I didn't know what split times meant over 200 meters or 400. I'd never done it before, but I kept showing up. And, and that was really compelling to me was to learn about running from an entirely different perspective. That was Amy Ballin. And this is episode 101 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn and I'm a road runner. And I'm Kim and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. If discovering new and different ways to love the sport of running sounds good to you, then you're in for a treat today. Amy Ballin became inspired to run long distances in the 1990s after watching her mother run the New York City Marathon. She got hooked and they went on to run several marathons together, but after her mom received a terminal cancer diagnosis and passed away in 2001, running became too painful for Amy. She hung up her shoes for the better part of the next decade until a friend encouraged her to join a track club. Over time, she became faster in her 40s than she was in her 20s, while at the same time forging lifelong friendships. Ten years later, at age 51, Amy still continues to rock middle to long distance events on the track and roads, has participated in track meets all over the world, and serves on the board of directors for Canadian Masters Athletics. Born and raised in Toronto, Amy still lives in the same neighbourhood she grew up in with her husband and three teenage girls. In her day job as a small business coach, Amy is the co-owner of Spark Consulting and the author of the book, Mom Inc. And as you'll hear in this episode, her career journey is also intimately tied to her mother. It was so fascinating to explore the many parallels between entrepreneurship, motherhood, and running. So let's get into it with Amy Ballin. Okay, well today we are here with Amy Ballin. Very excited to have you here. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you and I, this is kind of a funny story. We have never met in real life, but we've gotten to know each other a little bit over Zoom through our work together on the board of directors for the Canadian Masters Athletics, which we'll get into a little bit later. But why don't we get started with some gentle warm-up questions? Like, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you what do you do? What's making you happy today? How about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I live in downtown Toronto. I've lived in downtown Toronto almost my entire life. Oddly, I live a few blocks from where I grew up, which is a bit strange, but it happens to be a really great place to live. So that's that's <laughs> kind of actually neat. Um, I have three teenage daughters. I have a pandemic puppy with whom we are all desperately in love, totally crazy about. What kind of dog? He's a cockapoo. Oh, and no. and he is desperately attached to all of us because we all work from home now. Right. Um, in my day job, I am a small business coach. I work with other entrepreneurs. Um, I had an entrepreneurial venture before I started business coaching. And what was that one? Oh, I had um, with my bestie an online baby products business. And we started that business for very personal reasons, which I hope we'll have a chance to talk about this evening. Mm. Um, but we ran that business for about 11 years. Oh, wow. We published a book based on our entrepreneurial experience. It's sort of a how-to business book, um, specifically through the lens of motherhood, because I think that the challenges of starting a business when you are a mom are um, distinct and unique. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we sold our small business and started coaching because we realized what we really love to do, and I'm sure the two of you can relate, is um, we love talking to other people and specifically talking to other entrepreneurs. So and now in my role, I get to meet um, entrepreneurs from all over Ontario in all different industries. Um, I work with them primarily on strategy and sales and marketing, and um, I feel lucky to get to do the work that I do. Fascinating. Okay, so you are an entrepreneur. So is that something that you always had aspirations of doing? Or is it something that you stumbled into? (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Um, I did an undergrad. um, And then I took a break for a few years. And then I went back to school to do an MBA. And in some ways, you know, business school is like is a training school for bankers and consultants. And that's what I thought you're supposed to do. So I got myself the fancy consulting job and you know, did everything I was supposed to do and then realized pretty quickly that um, I was not on the right path. About a year into my consulting gig, my mother, who also lived in Toronto, you know, nearby at the time, received a terminal cancer diagnosis. And just the penny dropped for me that I realized that I did not ever again want to find myself in a position where I could not be available to the people um, that I loved. And circumstances were tricky at work. I left the I left the job. I spent the next six months with my dad and um, caretaking for my mom and um, hanging around with my bestie. She'd also gone to business school with me, thinking what we could do with our new degrees that didn't involve being accountable to anybody else. So we we created a job and a company for ourselves that allowed us to be available for the people that we loved, that um, allowed us to think about our future families. I was newly married at the time. I knew I wanted to have a family, but still wanted to work and contribute to my family. So together we started this very early internet um, e-commerce. We had to have some guy in, in Vancouver. It's pre-Shopify. We had have some guy in Vancouver build us an e-commerce mm-hmm. website. And um, and we started selling handmade baby blankets online um, because we had babies on the brain. Everyone we knew was having kids. And, um, and we launched our first business together. Well, wow. that is such a fascinating story. Mm-hmm. And good for you. Like, it sounds like you really followed your heart would that be sort of accurate as far as like wait a second like it would get life gave you a wake-up call with your mother's diagnosis and it was like I can't be spending my life like this and it was very imminent yeah absolutely absolutely so like to be honest like the the business that we started the fact that we started this really feel-good business like we got to interact with people when something really joyful had happened in their lives they're their relative had a baby or their best friend had had a baby and it was it was truly joyful. Um, That was just lucky that we landed on that. The real impetus was how are we going to find some balance in our lives? How are we going to be able to work, but but also have other priorities um, that we could still uh, give attention to and not have on the back burner? Mm -hmm. Right, right. So I imagine... I've owned my own business um, as a physiotherapist. I, at that point, basically owned a job more than a business. I found that (laughs) I was working just as hard, if not harder, than the people who were working for me. And so I know, you know, you say you were looking for balance, but I'm sure you were still very, very busy. However, I guess my question to you, I want to go down this business rabbit hole just a little bit more, is 
the alignment and, you know, business consulting is very different than making baby blankets, probably busy in just a different way. So what did you feel like? Did it just feel more relaxed? Was there less resistance? Was it just empowering to have, like you said, control over when you worked and when you didn't work? What was it that really made you stick with it for 11 years? Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad you asked the question, Kim, because it's still a question that I ask basically every new small business client that I meet in my work. And it's interesting. So I'm 51 now. And, and I thought I might, I don't know, I, a while ago, I thought I might get more rigid in, in my thinking. And, and, and the, the more people I meet and the more entrepreneurs I work with, it's the total opposite. I feel so much more open and non-judgmental. And, and the, the touchstone that I always come back to myself and that I always ask other people about is, um, what are you looking to get out of this experience? Well, we, you know, I'm sure, Kim, you know what it's like to work for somebody else. Um, yes. So you chose to get off that path. And, and that's for whatever reason, you know, or reasons you, you decided that. What what makes me stick with it, and what I think um, other entrepreneurs um, who do well n- know, is their reasons for having chosen to get off that path. Mm-hmm. And when I say like I feel less judgmental now, it's because I really I don't I don't, and I mean this in the kindest ways. I don't care what your reasoning is, right? As long as you know, for for me, I I, I didn't want to work in a corporate environment. I didn't want to work in anything tech. I don't understand tech, right? I wanted to do something that if I had to do it part-time, I could swing it part-time. So sometimes when it was interesting, because I've always had a, a business partner, um, but sometimes when she would say, oh, Amy, this is hard. Why are we doing this? And I said, yeah. it's because we want to be available for our families. It's because we can work part-time if we need to. And so we have something flexible where we're contributing to our families. So when you have those touchstones and you know what they are, and look, they can shift along your journey. But when you know when there are, it, it's, it, it makes it much easier, I believe, to, to stick with it. Like I said, it doesn't matter what those reasons are, but you have to know. You have to know. You know, another way to, to look at it is, you know, when we're all sitting around in um, rocking chairs looking over a lake in our old age and we look back, what will we have wanted to have created, but what we have wanted to left behind, we had to leave behind. Mm-hmm. So again, it doesn't it doesn't matter what that reasoning is, but you have to know because it's a little hard to get on the path if you don't know where you're headed. Absolutely, and it has to be your reason, right? It has to be your reason. It can't oh because it sounds good to be an entrepreneur. Like no, that it does not have staying power. It's, it's too hard to do it if you don't have your own your own rationale and your own right. your own reasoning and justification yeah. for having well, to forge your own path. There's a lot of risk involved, right? And then there's a lot of belief and trust and <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. just going with with it, even if it's not guaranteed. You know, it's easy to to get a job where you're paid a salary and you just show up and do the job and get paid. But when it's your own business and and you're mm-hmm. the one um create uh, you use the word create you know if you sit on your stone in the river at the end of your life and you're looking back at what you created that's on you right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it's a big responsibility but it's also a huge source of pride and absolutely action yeah i told you, you know, i got the big fancy job mm-hmm. coming out of school so yeah. i used to say like i i literally knew to the dollar what it was worth to me not to work for somebody else yeah, exactly. I knew that equation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so sure, sure. You're you're leaping into the unknown, 
but you know, as we all know, like things, things can change. And I think like my, my, I watched my own mom have different careers and, mm-hmm. um, all is impermanence. We can change and we can shift mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So small business owners, <laughs> listen up. <laughs> if you want to take your business to the next level, Amy's your gal. <laughs> um, so you mentioned your mom, you mentioned your mom a couple times already in that story, beautiful story. But we also understand that your relationship with running is intimately tied to your mother. So um, she did pass away right from cancer in 2001. But can you tell us the story of how she uh, influenced your running journey? Yeah. Yes. Yes. My mother is completely integral to the reason that I started to run. And I would say the reason I still continue to run today. When my mom was in her late forties, she, she, she went to a charity event and she, she won a, a fitness assessment and it was this really posh gym in downtown Toronto. It was like the new hot gym. And so she had no word of a lie. She had, um, she, I don't know, I guess she'd gotten them in the States. She had sneakers. They weren't running sneakers from Kmart that she put on. I was not living at home at the time. I wasn't in Toronto, but she, she told me she put on her sneakers and she went down to the fancy gym and she had a fitness assessment and something for her just clicked. She, she was a self-described last kid, um, picked to be on a team, never did anything physical, never was sporty, But she started to train and she got stronger and she got hooked and then she ran a 5K and then she ran a 10K and then she decided that she wanted to run the New York City Marathon for her 50th birthday. So an injury sidelined her. So she got a spot when she turned 51. And at the time I was living in Washington, D.C. and my brother and my father were, were in Toronto and we all met up in New York for the marathon weekend. And... We planned different places on the route where we're going to watch her. And the first place we saw her was running up First Avenue. And quite simply, I'd I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I just was blown away in tears at the side of the road at the sheer emotion of watching not just the elites, you know, fly up First Avenue. I mean, that's amazing, but a little harder for me to relate to. But it was the mid-packers, back of the packers, like my mom, who were using everything in their power, again, hearkening back to entrepreneurship, you know, for, for all of their different reasons, hauling themselves through this race. And the, the, mo- the inspiration uh, that I derived from that was, um, was overwhelming. I just, couldn't, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I'd just never seen anything like it. So my mother finished the race. She was really thrilled with how she had done, and I decided I needed to do that too. Now, I'd never, I'd never run before. My my most athletic endeavor to date had been figure skating, which I did as a kid and into my teens, but I was severely limited by a lack of natural talent. <laughs> so I, I, I eventually hung up my skates in high school, but that was it. That was that was it. I'd never. I'd never run anywhere. I didn't take gym in high school. I must have missed the days when there were like track meets in elementary school. I don't know. I, 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 this was never, it was not available to me for whatever reason. But I went back to Washington. I bought myself a pair of running shoes. Washington is actually a fantastic city for running because, of course, it has all the beautiful monuments, but there's also beautiful trails just 
you're right in the city. So I started to run. I followed a 16-week training program that I ripped out of a page of Runner's World magazine. And I met up with my mom to run the Toronto Marathon. So yeah, which I ran, which we ran together, which we ran together. So your first race was a marathon? I had done other races. I did a couple in DC leading up to it. Yeah, there, there, yeah, I did. Yes, I did leave that out. Yes, to be fair, Mm. there's, I squeezed in a half somewhere, a beautiful, again, like it was in Runner's World Magazine, like one of the top half marathons in the United States. I went and did that at a beautiful college town in the US. And there might have been like a couple 10Ks in there. But, but I was, um, I was a back of the packer. When my mother and I ran the Toronto Marathon together, that was in 1995. And how old were you at this point? So I was 24. It was interesting looking at the stats afterwards. You know, women have made so much um, progress in terms of road racing. And um, you know, Kim, I'd love to hear you know what else happens on the trails because I don't, I don't really know what happens on the trails at all. But um, but I think you know, women are you know pretty much 50% of entries in distance road racing now. But at the time, I was this like 20 something and it was not that women, many women were doing it. And my and my mom as a 50 something was particularly unusual at the time. Um, and we stood on that start line together and we looked at each other and and said, you know, run your own race. So we both had trained for the race. We trained separately. We got together to run it. But we knew that especially with distance racing, so much prep goes into it. It's, yeah. You can't be accountable to anyone else. Yeah, um, that's all you can do to try and get yourself through it. So, so Toronto wasn't the only one you ran together. You continue to do marathons together, correct? I ran. I have run six marathons, um, and I've done. The, I did them all with my mom. So uh, we ran Toronto together. We ran Chicago together. We ran uh, the Marine Corps Marathon back in Washington and um, two Bostons together. So she squeaked in a few others without me. A third Boston where she placed in her, her age group. That, that's it too. She, she got really good. She harbored this natural talent that she didn't know about. Did she stop buying her shoes at Kmart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she eventually invested in proper shoes. But, um, but she, yeah, she was really good. She was really talented, which yeah. was just a really amazing thing for her to discover in her 50s. But when she got sick and not to get woo woo, but she basically diagnosed herself because she because of running, she was so in tune with her body. She knew when things weren't right. So she knew that something was going on and and got a a cancer diagnosis. She um, was given a clean bill of health and then she had bad luck and um, and the cancer um, spread and and she was given not very long to live after that. So that was the end of my running career for a really long time. I didn't want to run. It was so tied up um, in my relationship with her in such a, um, such a positive thing that we did together. We traveled together to races. Um, We got to do Boston together. This was not something I was interested in doing for a very long time after she passed away. I also started having kids and sort of kind of for the better part of a decade felt like I was either pregnant or nursing somebody or, you know, working in my small business. So there was about 10 years where I really did not run at all. It was too sad Mm -hmm. and too hard and life was too busy. 
Oh my goodness. What a powerful story this is. I knew little bits and pieces of it, but hearing this all together at once, I can see like she's integral in your running. She's integral in what you chose to do for work, your career change. Right. And so I can see why it would be painful to think about going back to running. So, so as you said, a better part of a decade or, or maybe even longer that you were away from running. But I understand that uh, a friend then encouraged you to join a track club. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? When was that first off? So how long had you been out of the game before this friend uh, said, join the track club? And then what was your reaction when your friend said, come on the track? Because you had not raced on the track. You didn't do it in middle school or anything. So what was that like? I hadn't raced on the track. I I had not stepped on a track. I had never, I'm sorry, I'd never been on a track before. So yeah, I had a friend in the neighborhood, uh, you know, uh, uh, another mom I met through my kid's school. I knew that she ran. We started running together a little bit for fun, for fitness, for stress relief, to hang out. And she started running at the University of Toronto Track Club for Masters. And um, at some point said, you know, I think you would think this is fun. You should give it a try. I'll add that like not long after I joined the club, she left the club and went and ran elsewhere. So here I am on this track. I don't mean to sound like not smart, but it was a very confusing experience to me. Our coach, Paul Osland, who is an 800 meter Olympian from the 1988 Olympics, has this incredible incredibly vast knowledge of track. I mean, really just is an expert in track running. But Paul is understated and um, has a quiet style. So although I would get prescribed a workout when I got to the track, like I didn't know what split times meant over 200 meters or 400. I'd never done it before. So um, it felt very karate kid, Mr. Miyagi wax on. I like, I did not, I did not, I didn't, I didn't know. So, but I kept showing up because, well, I love running and I thought, wow, this is a whole new thing to learn about something that I already love. Yeah. And, and that was really compelling to me was to learn about running from an entirely different perspective. Right. Like it can almost feel like a different sport. Like you are still running the way that you were when you were running in a marathon. But like you said, on the track, it's just like all this new stimuli. Like what do the markings on this track mean? Like what direction am I supposed to go? I feel like there was a year where I had to ask people, where do I stand? I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't. And then, but then I figured it out. Right. And then, and then you realize like, oh, this is what it feels like to run 400 meters. This is what it feels like to run 200 meters. You know, Mm -hmm. I have a goal time to run this kilometer repeat. And what happened was I kept up the road racing, but I was faster in my 40s than I was in my 20s. So that was super motivating. (laughs) That was really fun. Why do you think that is? Do you think it was a different kind of training that you were doing? Or like, I want to go back to something that you said before and then put it into the context of my question. Like you said, I didn't know what the heck I was doing for a year, (laughs) but I kept showing up. And I love that because I mean, to me, that's the essence of getting better at anything. It's like, okay, get over yourself that you don't know everything from the beginning. Like, when do we ever know something right from the very first time we do it? Like, just be okay with being a beginner and keep showing up and you will get better. 
percent. I was totally cool playing the new kid card. And and like to your point, like I was on the track with people who'd raced varsity track, who'd, you know, run in high school, an Olympian. Like it, like this was a well educated crowd on the track. But what we all shared was a complete love of running. Like we just like we all just loved it. And what I loved about this group and still love about this track club that I still run with 10 years later now. These people have interesting jobs. They've had interesting experiences. I mean, it's not super surprising. There are a lot of like A-type personalities in the crowd. Like it is, these are ambitious people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we all share this true love of this sport. And as I said, this was just an entirely new way for me to learn about something that I already loved. That I didn't even know it was out there. I didn't know it was yeah. out there. So, so that's so I didn't know it was out there, which is kind of wild because I've raced a lot on the road over the last mm-hmm. 20 whatever years. But it took someone basically holding my hand and escorting me to the track to know that it was there. Um, not just to know that it was there. I actually grew up close to the track that I train on now, but I wasn't aware that it was available to me. I didn't know that it was accessible for me, which it totally is. You know, I I started as, you know, new kid on the block, not knowing, you know, what an interval was. But there there are other people who've joined who are similar, who don't have track backgrounds. What track does is it helps you become a faster runner if you're interested in that. Like that's that's what speed work does on the track. So, like I said, I found that pretty fun and motivating to get faster in my 40s, you know, than I was as a a younger runner. But if you're willing to give it a go, it's totally available and accessible to you. Okay. So you said that I didn't know that this existed. I didn't know this was a thing that was available to me. Even though I knew the track was over there, I didn't think I could go on it. What do you think we can do because that was totally my experience too. 1000% my same experience of like, I'm a runner, but I'm fine to run on the roads. And I know I can like enter a road race and I don't have to belong to anything. I can just like go there. Right. But the track just seems like it has all different rules applied to it, but actually it's open to everybody. So how can we do a better job of getting that message across to the people who would like to get faster (laughs) and would like to enjoy running in a different way? What was your quote that I took? It was a new way to love a sport that I already loved. Like, come on, who doesn't want that? And there are probably so many people like you and I that this applies to. I know there are. So where do you think, where's the disconnect? What what can we do besides, you know, publishing this podcast and, and having everyone <laughs> listen to it? Um, what are some other things that could entice some lukewarm people to the track uh, to give it a try? Yeah, I think, I think, I, I think things like this podcast are fantastic because I think, I think there is an issue of awareness for those of us who don't come from the track community or didn't grow up on the track. As you say, Caroline, there there are so many people racing on the road. Tons of us, tons of us. And what I didn't know before I joined this track club was that this community existed on the track. So as you and I know from our work with Canadian Masters Athletics, this community of 35 plus Canadians um, who share this love of athletics 
we we know that people are out on the road, like in in droves. So yeah. I think we need to also let people know that if they are interested in learning about their sport in a new way, that this is available. But it has yeah. all sorts of other benefits, right? Benefits for me have been you know, have been speed, but mm-hmm. honestly, like community. And yeah. and I didn't know that I was going to get a running family that I would get to travel with around the world to compete in events. Like I didn't, I didn't know that's been like, I, I, like I giggle because that's been a total boon for me. Like that's a, I feel like that's a a coup that you can travel the world and meet people from around the world who also Mm -hmm. share your love of athletics Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and are part of this global community. Yes. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. Like what, what are you racing now? Are you racing primarily track and what kind of things are you doing all around the world? I, I mean, my first love is the road. Um, and, and I still, I still am in love with the road. So I've been able to compete at three world masters athletics championships. And I really want to stress that there is zero barriers to entry. There is literally no barrier to entry other than being 35 years old or older. That is the criteria. You just have to be old. If you're old, you can compete. Um, (laughs) So when I took my first trip to Worlds, uh, which was in 2015 in Lyon, France, I mean, please, who would want to go to France? It was fabulous. I raised the 800 because that's what could fit into my schedule. My kids were still quite young at the time. I I looked at the calendar and said, I can get away for these eight days. So that's what I raced. Am I an 800 meter runner? Well, I I can run it, but I wore that day. I was that day, day, but I have since raced at Worlds the 1500, the 5000, most recently a 10K road race. And in Spain, I raced the half marathon. So it truly is accessible because they're actually. There are road races um, as part of Worlds as well. There's also cross country, so there's really no 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 barrier to um, to compete. At this most recent Worlds in Finland, which was a great event, uh, one day I went to the track and was watching uh, women seventy plus doing long jump. Oh my! And the only thing for me that rivals the experience of watching my mother and 30,000 other runners race the New York City Marathon is watching older athletes. And for me, particularly female athletes, mm-hmm. I, yes. there is, there's nothing better. It's so amazing to see these women who are out there competing. It's really beautiful. It's really, really yes. amazing. Yes, I was just just before we got on. I was watching. I believe that Carol Lafayette Boy just set a new record. So this woman is eighty, and she ran a thirty-four second two hundred meter on the track. And I was doing oh, the wow. math, and I was like, I don't actually think that I could do that. <laughs> and she is <laughs> twice my age. <laughs> oh my word, Carol! I'm glad you brought her up because I just saw that as well. Carol Lafayette Boyd is from Saskatchewan. Um, as Carol mentioned, she's she's now competing in the you know, women's 80 plus category. She just set another world record. It is not her first. No. Um, she's a huge ambassador for Canadian Masters athletes. 
and I saw that and just, yeah, put a huge smile on my face. I was thrilled to see that. She's an incredible athlete. Yes. And I also had the thought as I was watching her, because it was a video. And so I watched her coming in on her 200. And I was like, maybe master's athletics actually helps you age in reverse as well, because there was no way I would have pegged her for 80 years old. Like she looks phenomenal. She's phenomenal. Yeah. So listen up, you can get faster, you can travel the world and you can age in reverse. Like what is not to love (laughs) being a master's athlete? (laughs) So I'm curious, Amy, like you've you've raced so many distances and been to worlds in so many distances. What's your favorite? What what do you like to run the most? Mm. Um, that's a great question. Okay, I honestly, I'm still learning. Like, I want to ask my coach. So, like, what, what should I race, coach? Like, I, like, I, I want to still, <laughs> still, I still feel in a way like I need to defer and get get that objective, um, those outside eyes for help and support. I haven't historically loved 5,000 on the track, but I had a great 5,000 in Finland. It was not my not my fastest time at all, at all. But I just, I feel like I've spent the last 10 years on the track learning how to race, learning how to run track. And at this past Worlds, honestly, it was the first time I felt like I was learning how to race. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say like, I'm very competitive with myself. But I've never been super competitive about what other people are doing. But this this world was interesting. I was like, oh, I can work with other runners to help me be stronger, to help me race faster. And that's something that clicked for me over this past event. Mm. And, and it, I was able to successfully execute that the best in this 5,000 meter on the track. That sounds natural to me as a developmental step. Like first you get on the track and you're so overstimulated with everything. Like we talked about before, like what is going on on the track? So you want to just complete the race. Like you want to learn how to do that event. But as you become more comfortable with knowing that event, then like you say that where's that next little bit of growth that you're going to get. And that is from learning how to like work with other people and to be competitive with other people in the best ways possible. Right. And so at at this world, so you've just come back from this world in Finland. I really want to hear about it all, but um, I, I knew that you did the 1500 there and I knew you did the 10 K road race. I wasn't aware that you had done this 5,000, and meters. And I know you say, I'm not fast, but like, give me some context of like, what are you completing a 5,000 or a 1500 and, and all that in like, cause I think again, sometimes the barrier is people are like, oh my gosh, like I'm not a lead. I'm not fast. I like, do I have to qualify for these meets? There's so many unanswered questions, even for myself of going to these events. Like I'm going to be out of my league. I don't belong here. Um, what's been your experience, like feeling like you belong or, or not there? Oh my goodness! This again, and this 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 goes back to community. Um, um, so yeah, so so it's taken me ten years to, for 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 me to realize like, oh, I I can I can I can I can learn how to race now. Now I've learned about the track. I'm not saying I've done I'm done learning, but I'm learning about the track now. I can learn how to race. So long journey, but that's that's great. That's that's I I want to keep on running. So I've I've got a, got a good long timeline here. Um, in the in the five thousand meter race. I'm trying to think about how many women were in my race. Let's let's say a dozen women, 15 women or so from Spain, from Italy, from Iran, from awesome. the US. And the women who are on the podium are the world's best. 
they're really, really fast and they're really talented and they're really inspirational. Mm -hmm. And then you have people in the middle like me. And then you have people who are bringing up the rear. And in that race, what did we do? We waited at the finish line until every woman crossed the line. And you get to have a photo with all of your race mates. And these are women from all over the world. So there, mm-hmm. there is no, there's no barrier to entry. There is no reason not to give this a try. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. downside. It sounds really. very much like trail running in that way, in that, yeah. you know, it's a unique situation where you can enter a race the same as the world's best. And sometimes you get to pass them on the course. Sometimes you don't. And, and people finish at all different distances, but no barriers to entry for most of the races. So I'm actually seeing a lot of parallelism between track and particularly yeah. ultra trail running. People feel intimidated. I don't belong here. I, I, you know, what do I need? What do I need to do? Um, I don't know the terminology. I don't know what kind of shoes I should wear, all that kind of stuff. But um, such an inclusive community. So that's really. And kind of no reason yeah. not to try. Like, exactly. so, I've, so I've dabbled in a lot of distances. So yeah. I have things that I feel yeah. more comfortable with, things that I feel less comfortable with. But there's no downside to trying, really. Like no. there's So then you, then you keep trying and figure out what feels best to you. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing yeah. about this is, you know, given that you, this is not what I do professionally, <laughs> you never, never will. It's, it's just for me. It's just, it's just for, for fun and for all of the benefit that I derive from it. So mm-hmm. yeah, why not give different things a try and, and, and see what feels good to you. Totally. And you you have been speaking to this a lot, but I had this question down of like, talk to the roadrunner who might have been like you a decade ago, stepping onto the track for the first time. Like why, why should they give it a try? Even, you know, even if they have to run the 400 or the 800 meter, because that's all they have time for, because they have a babysitter back at home. Like talk to that person who may be, again, thinking that they want to give this a try, but just not sure where to start. Yeah, you just, you just, you need to show up and I think, and you need to be um, willing to ask questions because Mm -hmm. I find in this community, lots of people are willing to give advice. Everyone, everyone likes to share their own experiences, even though it's an individual sport. I think people really do want to pass on knowledge. So willingness to learn and ask questions, no shame in not knowing how it all works at first. And if someone likes to run on the road, they're probably accustomed to having some sort of schedule that they keep running regularly. Mm-hmm. And so too works really, really well with the track. And, you know, I'm just thinking that, you know, when I started this and my kids were much, much smaller and um, my husband also works for himself and he um, would travel a lot, you know, in those days and I would, mm-hmm. I would lug those kids to the track. They were too right. small to stay home by themselves. So yeah. we had a little adventure with mom and <laughs> you know, we would head off to the track and they would play in the, you know, in the infield and, you know, jump on the pole vault mats and, mm-hmm. and all good to mm-hmm. them. That was fine. And, yeah. and, and I was happy to model an active lifestyle Um, But more importantly, a a commitment to something that was really, that was really important to me. So just, just sticking with it, just, you just got to show up. 
I always found when my kids were young that the track was a super accessible place for them. Sure. (laughs) Right. Because like when you go for like Kim, when you go for a six hour run, it's not as if you're going to bring your kid with you. Like you need a child care for that time. But I would put bring mine to the outdoor track and put them in the 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 long jump pit. Like with oh, trust me, toys. I did the same thing. I, <laughs> I don't, don't know do if that's allowed, but that's what runs. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, okay. we would bring the monster trucks, and they they'd play with the monster trucks. Yes, um, you know they have remote control things in the infield as I was running in circles. Yeah, it's yeah, a great the place infield was good for cartwheels, yeah. and uh, yes. <laughs> le- bleachers were good for running stairs. And uh, yes, and absolutely. the thing is, track workouts don't tend to take a really long time, like kind of within yeah. an hour, you can get done what you need to get done. So the, the warm up takes the longest for master's athletes. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> so you've talked about all the, the things you did do and what you would suggest somebody does do. Is there anything looking back that you would have done differently or that you would have changed about how you re- related to the track in those early days? It was pretty great. It was, okay. it was like I said, Good. it was just confusing. It was confusing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't do that well, sort of lingering in a state of confusion. Um, I do like to like progress and understand and, and, and learn. Um, yeah. Something about it just hooked me though. Something just, and the community was a really big part of it. There were pretty quickly um, because we train as a track club pretty quickly, our coach said, you know, Amy run with these people tonight, run with Linda tonight, mm-hmm. you know, run with whomever tonight. Oh, okay. I can do that. That's easy. That's, right. that's, I can, just, I can hitch onto a group. So having had that, um, that guidance was really kind of all I needed to yeah. start figuring it out, but I, it would have been different if I were on my own. I don't know that I would have stuck yeah, with it in the same way like people are yeah. in remote places um that's a really different mm-hmm. scenario um mm-hmm. but finding a group I, I learned that yeah. I, I I learned this from my mom she you know when she used mm-hmm. to travel she would you know look up you know local running group there are yeah. always local runners wherever you are there are always people to yeah. find to run with and who are willing to you know have you run with them too Exactly. Right. Right. Great advice. Um, I think that that can be a barrier for the track too. And it's, um, again, you want to, you want to go to your sort of provincial branch, right? Like you're Athletics Ontario and I, we're Athletics Manitoba. And, and sometimes on those websites, that's where you find the groups to train with, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have provincial branches across the country we have you know, running shoe stores across the country that have yeah. groups from starter yeah. groups to more advanced groups. So it's one of the reasons I love the sport and continue to love the sport. It's completely accessible. Yeah, exactly. Oh, awesome. So you have written a book as well, Busy Lady. So, um, and I think this is through your business with your business partner, correct? You wrote a book That's called right. Mom yeah. Inc. Yeah. And I love this tagline, raising your family and your business without losing your mind or your shirt. <laughs> now, I haven't read the book yet. I have it on order from our local library. I can't wait to read this book. But I'm actually curious if you think on this topic of running, if you think that there's anything that might apply here from your book um, that, that might apply to sort of the running moms out there, how to fit it all in. I think a hundred percent, a hundred percent. As both my business partner and I stepped off our corporate paths in order to forge our own path and work in the way we wanted to work, we had to redefine what success meant mm. to us. 
Um, because again, coming out of business school, you kind of thought it was one way. And then, and then you went along and realized, no, there's a lot, a lot more going on in life. And for, for me, success and happiness are really very closely related. Mm. And in terms of running, I would say the uh, connection is the same, is that if you're running in a way that makes you feel happy, then, mm. then that's, that's a successful running mm-hmm. career, whatever mm-hmm. that means to you. If you're happy on the road, be happy on the road. If you're happy yeah. going out with your friend and running a couple mornings a week, then, then that's successful. Um, but like the reasons you would choose to work for yourself, I think it's deeply personal. But I think that success is feeling happy with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I love that connection to like, you don't let the outside world tell you what success looks like. Cause then it's just like money, money, money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you're saying like, no, I'm working for myself, like for the time freedom or, or whatever that happens to be, the answers aren't out there, right? We have to go in and you have to start there. You've got to start with that. Why? And it's so interesting, the carryover from business to what we do with our disposable time yeah. that, that that question still applies. So I love that. And and um, I'll be excited to read your book. It sounds super good. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So we've mentioned this a few times already, but you're on the board of directors at Canadian Masters Athletics. And I'm curious what drew you to wanting to become involved with them and, and sort of give back to the sport in that way. Yeah. Well, several years ago when I first joined the board, I was interested in joining yeah, definitely as a way to give back to a sport that has given me personally so much, um, so much joy, so much um, community. At the time, several members of my running club were on the board. So it seemed like a really um, natural, easy fit. Um, And they brought awareness to me about Canadian Masters Athletics and the organization that um, is the driving force behind Masters Athletics in Canada. Um, so I joined the board as a director. Um, I kind of hung out for a while just to see how it all worked. And, um, and then more recently have gotten involved in communications for the board. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think we have a a really, a really big opportunity to tell Canadian, Canadians, Canadians and Canadian athletes and Canadians about what we do and what's available to them through the master's athletics community. Um, so that's been a really great involvement over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned women before when you were talking about, you know, seeing like 80 year olds and 90 year olds and, and you said particularly women. So uh, I I wanted to follow up on that uh, with, you know, like who do you hope to inspire through your involvement and, and does that include uh, women? And, And if so, why are you so passionate about helping women discover this sport? Oh, um, I, I, I really, I really am. I think there um, are a lot of opportunities for women to become more involved in athletics. Um, it's great for your sense of self and empowerment and, and, and all that too, but, mm. but it's super personal for me. I have three daughters, mm. as we've talked about you, I was introduced to the sport you via my mother um, yes. at the time, uh, you know, women really were underrepresented on the road. And so we've made huge, huge strides there. I will say in the track community, the master's track community, women are underrepresented. And I've thought about this a lot. And I think I, you know, I have some understanding of why that might be. And I was, 
in those shoes about a decade ago when I was dragging my little kids to the track. It wasn't wasn't easy to manage motherhood and work and fitness and getting to the track. And um, at the time, you know, that masters is available to women at the age of 35, they often have a lot of other things going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, competing mm-hmm. at Worlds is super interesting because you see you see the depth of competition of women in their 50s, 55, 60, um, when you might have a little more capacity to spend on yourself. Um, right. So, right. so I really, I really want women to, um, to join us as it becomes available to them in their lives, but also to know that this, this is a lifelong path you can be on. This is a, a global community and you can do this if you take care of yourself for the rest of your life. Yes. Mm. So good. <laughs> so, so good. So you mentioned your daughter and you mentioned things coming full circle. So have your daughter, any of your daughters taken an interest in joining you either on the track or on the roads? Yeah, my my eldest um, and I have road raced together several times. Um, in, in middle school, she joined uh, a running club specifically um, designed for that age girl, which is great um, when things are getting, you know, kind of kind of weird and foreign feeling in your own body. And and it was really nice to have that space, you know, carved out for girls. So we've raced on the road together. My youngest has raced cross country. And most importantly, like I, whether they run or they don't run, it's, it's, it's not as significant to me as they, um, they see a healthy model at home. Um, and they know what, what, um, a more or less balanced and healthy life can look like. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes, I agree. So besides your mom, is there anyone who has particularly inspired you on your running journey along the way? I have um, so many of my track club family that have inspired me. Mm. Uh, There were eight of us from the University of Toronto Track Club staying together in Finland. There were 20 of us from the track club in Finland altogether. And this is this is my running family. I feel I feel so lucky to have met this group of people you know, at the age of 40, whatever that that I did. I didn't know these people were gonna come into my life. And this is a bonus family I have now. So um the women I, I run with are incredible. Um one of my teammates, Kate Cochran Brink, just won the women's 50 steeplechase gold medal in Finland. What an event. That is, I look at that event and I'm just like, Ooh, that looks a little so bit scary. wild. It is yeah. so wild that event. So, um, so, so Kate just won in Finland, which was just That's incredible amazing. to be able to see. One of my teammates is into her sixties now running kind of as strong as she, as she has been over the last 10 years. Super inspiring. Wow. I, I feel so lucky to be able to run with this group. So I take a lot of inspiration from them. And the coaches are wise. They're really, really wise. And I have so much appreciation for that. Yeah, I don't think you can underestimate. We've talked many times on this podcast about the value of a good coach. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that your experience with your track club um, is very much related to your coaches as well, as mm-hmm. you just said. So, yeah. Could not do this Very without lucky. them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, they, and they volunteer their time um, mm-hmm. at, for, for master's track. 
So that's not lost on me either. It's, mm-hmm. it's a huge commitment um, on their part. And well, I personally have benefited enormously from those relationships. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Amy, we could honestly talk to you all day. I find this conversation so fascinating and I hope it has planted a tiny seed for people. Like it's for sure planted a seed for me. And I would say I'm like already one foot on the track and it's just like, Ooh, what else could I do with it? It's so exciting to me to think about running in kind of a different way and just exploring it differently than just like you know, there's nothing wrong with this, but like, it's often you do the 5k and then the 10k and then it keeps getting longer and longer and longer. But this is almost like (laughs) the reverse, right? Like maybe do, I just did a 1500 not that long ago, but somebody said to me, uh, Oh, you should do an 800. And I was like, no, like no way. But then to hear that you've done an 800, maybe I will do an 800. So never say never, (laughs) no harm in trying. If your goal is to inspire people to think about it differently and give it a try, then consider yourself successful by your definition of success because you just inspired me. So thank you for this conversation. And we like to finish and close with just a few fun, quick, rapid fire questions. So first one is, do you have a favorite mantra? My favorite mantra is wherever you go, there you are. And this is inspired by my parents who um, studied with a Buddhist thinker, John Kabat-Zinn. And it's just a reminder to stay in the present moment and that the present moment is also a wonderful moment. Yeah. Your parents, sorry, this is supposed to be rapid fire. Your parents (laughs) studied with John (laughs) Kabat-Zinn? They did. Yeah, they did. Yes. 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 Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And, And I love that that quote too it's so good because it's such a great encapsulation of like life right it's like it's happening now it's here it's now it's like it's not there it's like now <laughs> so yeah. moment. absolutely moment. okay okay our next question is what is your favorite place or maybe track to run my favorite place to run is the beltline trail in toronto um I didn't know it existed until I started running, despite the fact that it runs right through the middle of Toronto. And if you run from west to east, which invariably I do, it's a gentle downhill slope and you can feel like you're flying. The best. (laughs) The best. There's no downhill tracks ever. (laughs) They're all just perfectly flat. So for you, the downhill has to come outside. Awesome. Do you have a race on your bucket list or an event on your bucket list? Yes. My bucket list race is the New York City Marathon. And right, because you haven't done I it. I haven't run it. And hey. if I'm going to do a marathon again, that will be the one. That's a good one to do. I mean, particularly, obviously, in your case with, with the your opening story of discovering your love of running. And honestly, I wanted to say this earlier when, when you were talking about the marathon, because it's such an event that has like, it captivates you, right? Like you said, you were watching and you were watching the middle of the Packers and the back of the Packers and just like, it moved you almost like to tears. Right. And I love the quote, if you're losing faith in human nature, go out and watch a marathon. Like it, yes. it totally sums yeah. it up. I will sometimes given where I live, you know, cause I'm pretty close to downtown. So if there's a, a road race happening, like there are a few I know that happen, like not too far from my home, I will go out on a Sunday morning just to watch because yeah. it's all, it's all the inspiration I need to, to fill myself up. 
Yes. Uh-huh. I agree uh-huh. with you. Yes. I agree I with that quote. You. Yeah. So yeah. that's marathons, but the New York city marathon is like the marathon of all marathons. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a perfect one. With to a do. plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you have a favorite running book or movie, Amy? My favorite running book is born to run Christopher McDougall. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people have mentioned it on the podcast before. It's, it's just, you're it, in great company. It's classic. <laughs> it, 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 I realize it was published right around the time that I was returning to running after mm-hmm. having had kids and having had a long hiatus. And I think it just reminds us of the purity of the sport. Hey, I love that. The purity of the mm-hmm. sport. Yes. Although many people have mentioned that book on the podcast, they're usually trail runners. You're one of the first road runners to have mentioned it. Oh, it's, it's such a beautiful story. It's mm-hmm. just, I think yes. all runners can relate to it. Mm-hmm. 100% and it, it caused it, me to think of a follow on question of like, would you ever, would you ever try an ultra? Oh, I'm a very urban person. Like I am, I, I, yeah, I, uh, that's You're like, I live in Toronto. <laughs> no. Carrying bear spray probably isn't your jam. I know I've been preaching open-mindedness, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to bend my brain on that one. <laughs> Absolutely fair. <laughs> well, there is the JFK 50 miler. It's like, it's an urban, urban-ish ultra. Anyways. <laughs> <Yeah>. You should <laughs> see her face. <laughs> funny. Okay. Final question. Do you have a favorite post run indulgence? I don't, I've never, I've never restricted food. So I'm open to, I love almost all foods. So I, 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 one thing I like about running is I feel like it, it informs my body what it needs. And it Mm. tells me because when you use up energy and you want to replace the energy, you, you just get attuned to that. So Mm. my long runs right now aren't terribly long, but I do like to run long one, one day a week and something kind of Pavlovian happens when I'm like two feet from home and it's just Gatorade, Gatorade, Gatorade. Like it just, it just like, I just, that's, that's what I want. I think it's just those electrolytes I'm craving at that point. The body does know. Yes. It knows. It knows. Well, Amy, thank you so much. This has been just such a juicy conversation in every single way. I love your enthusiasm for the sport. Um, You are an excellent ambassador for Canadian Masters Athletics. And uh, I'm so fortunate to work alongside you in that capacity and very grateful for that opportunity. So thank you for joining us. Right back at you. And thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with both of you tonight. It's been a delight and a pleasure. Thank you. 